Welcome, friends, to the very first Brazen Business Podcast. I'm Sarah Johnson. I'm your host, and this is our very first episode. I am extremely excited about this episode because I didn't know what I was doing when I started this process, and I learned how to make, edit, and publish a podcast in order to do this one. So I assume it's not going to be perfect, and I know that the editing is not great. But I am really in love with the process and I only plan to get better from here. So I hope that you'll listen. My very first guest is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Vanessa Coltrane. She is a hairstylist and has been practicing in her field, running her own business for the last 17 years. And I met her about 10 years ago. I selfishly asked her to be my first guest so that if we were to have any issues, they would happen with her. And I knew she would have patience with me, but we did have technical issues. So you'll see, you'll hear some cutouts and you'll hear some things that were spliced together. And again, my editing skills aren't perfect, but I'm not hiding any parts of the episode. We just kept losing connection and we worked those bugs out and my next few recordings went amazingly. And so I'm really excited for the future, but this first episode is extremely special to me. We talk about a lot of things business related. We talk about some nightmare things that have happened along the way and and really we just talk about the heart of creating a good customer experience and building a business and celebrating building something from nothing. So I hope that you will enjoy this episode. I hope that you will listen to it and giggle along with us and check back next Wednesday when we have our next episode publishing um, with another friend of mine who's in the textile industry. So um, please enjoy this episode of Brazen Business with Vanessa Coltrane. Hello. Hi. Hello, Vanessa. How are you? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, this is outstanding. It's like we're chatting on the phone. But oh my God. Recording. It's perfect. I'm sitting mm-hmm. in my clothesless closet. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Does Thank it you, Ryan. Like robbed? <laughs> um, well, I have about... Four things hanging up, but Ryan's side is full, so that's nice. Well, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. We like a guy who who's a good dresser, so that's I great. Do, I do. I do like that. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So, I'm excited to be chatting with you in your new closet, and we'll get to that part here in just a minute because you are where. Where are you talking to me from? What specifically your closet, but in a broader sense, where are you living right now? I'm living in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh gosh, it's a beautiful yes. thing. Oh, I just I don't get tired of hearing it because no. I'm so excited for you being there, but it's been um, a dream, honestly. So I want to talk about the move and what's happening with your career with this move, but before we get to that, I want to just kind of start at the beginning. Um I met you after you were well into your um, career, you know, I met yes. you about 10 years ago. And so you were already well-established and we kind of talked about recently that we haven't really discussed um, your career path or like what took you to um, what you do now. And so I just kind of want to go back to like when you decided what it was you wanted to do for a living and what made you like, how old were you? What made you think like, um, this, this is what I want to do. I want to help people with the way that they look forever. When did that happen for you? Well, that's funny that you asked because I never wanted to do hair. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I originally, um, 
I took a ton of computer classes in high school. I took a ton of Photoshop and Adobe and all that stuff. And I really wanted to do graphic design. My school okay. was really small. So sure. I... How many, I, how many people did you graduate with? You're talking about your high school. How many people um, were there? It was 68, I believe. Yeah. And that was three <laughs> schools combined. <laughs> So, so I felt, yes, school. I felt like I did really great in my art classes because there was six of us. Sure. So I felt like when <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, when I started to like pick my path, I guess, I really wanted to do graphic design. So okay. I went to ICC. I did that for a year and my art classes went from six to like 16. And I quickly realized that that was not the path for me. Um, mostly because these artists were just amazing. They were sure. so talented and their artwork and creativity was way beyond mine. But I still felt like I wanted a job like that I could still be creative and not work inside this little tiny box that someone's telling me to do. Sure. So my mom. Um, gosh, she, she did hair for years. She was a beauty school teacher. She, um, owned a salon. She managed a salon. Um, and she suggested that I go to school to do hair. And I pretty much just laughed in her face. I did okay. not want to do hair. I had no desire to do hair. And she just was very persistent. She's like, I just feel like you have the personality for it. You have the creativity for it. You know, you listen well, you know, I think you should give it a try. And I was like panicking, like, what if someone shows me a picture of someone's hair? And she's like, well, they teach you how to do that in beauty school. Right. So, so she kept bringing it up, bringing it up. And I just was not cracking. And she pretty much just said, what if I pay for you to go to beauty school? And the second that you don't like it, you can stop. And I was okay. like, Okay. All right. I, I can do that. There's very so, low risk yep. on the investment side for you. That's yeah. great. So I was just <laughs> like, you know what? Okay. And at the time I had been cutting like my boyfriend's hair in high school and like some of his friends, like their basic buzz cuts, you know, like but not playing around with it. Yes. Like not anything okay. fantastic. I'd cut some friend's hair. And again, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I didn't really have a passion for it. Sure. So, so then we toured some schools, we picked one, um, we signed up, you know, everything's going and literally, I don't know if it was like the first week or the first month or whatever, but I was just like, this is totally what I'm supposed to do. You know, just immediately felt it. Yes, because it's huge in the art, like creativity side, you know, sure. you, have, you have to, um, you have to know the entire color wheel. You have right. to know shapes of the head. You have to know like everything. There was a huge art background and I'm just like, you know what? I love this. I love it right. so much. You combined what you were loving before with high school. Yes. And your art classes and you were getting to like apply it in a practical way that felt 
like something you really could spend your time doing. Absolutely. It came very easy to me, I guess. Okay. Don't you think that's a factor for some people when they're like finding their path is like, as humans, I think we generally like things to be pretty easy for us, right? Like if we started to do something and we're like, this feels so hard. I feel like it's easy for us to discount it. But when something comes naturally to you in an ability sense, I think it kind of helps bolster like, Ooh, this is maybe what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause it seems to be so easy for me. Like I couldn't yes. do what you do. You know what I mean? Like the, the fact that, um, you are creating literally something new every time somebody sits down into your chair and you don't ever have any, it's all on the fly. Like you don't yes. ever, hardly ever have like a heads up of what's going to be going on and that you have to execute every time. And it's so attached to somebody's identity. I just, it takes a, it takes a special kind of person to do that and to do it well. Right. Right. Yes. There's definitely some hairdressers out there that, um, I don't want to say are bad by any means, but they don't have the creative side of it. You know, they learn one haircut and that's the haircut they do on every person, or they learn one foil technique and that's what they use on every person. Well, that's definitely not the case. Like you are going right, to, and that's why I wanted to talk to you because yeah. I think that when people say like, oh, I do hair or I'm a hairdresser, it comes with like some sort of like, there's a, there's a broad spectrum of what you could be doing, right? 100%. If you say you're a hairdresser, depending yep. on what kind of style you have and what your abilities are. And so it is, it is to me, uh, there's a certain, you know, maybe there's a person who just does, like you said, the same cut or the same kind of coloring technique. And if that's what works for their clientele, then that's great. But I think that there's a whole other side to it where people are doing really artistic things and really trying to come up with like new and innovative styles and techniques and adding to their repertoire, going to hair shows, like learning new skills. And I think that that is an art form. It totally, totally is because there, I just went to a hair show in Nashville um, a couple weeks ago and there was a guy, um, I can't think of his name right now, but um, he showed this super cool like highlight technique, color technique, cutting technique. And then he told everyone that he charges $700 for that technique because it is his, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like me, the small town hairdresser, I never would be able to charge that because I don't specialize in anything. You know, I could sure. specialize in something and hone in on that and really, really nail it every time. And like color corrections, you know, sure. those are really hard to do, you know, unless you know the color wheel, you know, how the hair is going to react, the base color, the underlying pigment. I mean, it's a little stuff. bit of chemistry. It's, it's a little so bit of art much. theory. It's a, it's so many things going into it, right? right? Yes. And you can be like, I would say I'm just a general hairdresser. I can do a little bit of everything. I don't, I can't think of one specific thing that I love so much that I want to do all day, every day. I just want to make sure. people feel good you know, and I want to boost their confidence and I want to have a little therapy session with them and then send them out the door. And that's what I feel like I'm good at. That kind of brings me to like how we met. So we met about 10 years ago and I, we, we both had joined in. I'm not really sure what your motivations were and why you joined in on this project, but there was an art project pitched to me. There was going to be a photo shoot it was going to happen live and we were going to bring all these different parts together, hair, makeup, wardrobe, jewelry, photography, background, all these things. And we're going to do this live shoot and we're all artists like contributing our part. And I was there 
um, as a jewelry artist to contribute like the accessories for the the looks and you were there to do hair or makeup or both which what were you recruited for do you remember I think it was just hair okay yeah I don't think I did any and makeup. we just like we just sat and did well you did my makeup that's why I was wondering because I do remember um and of course you know we don't name any names or shame any people but I had had my hair done by somebody else and it was very um dallas-esque like uh-huh. i think there were like hot rollers that were included like and i was supposed to be getting makeup and i think i was supposed to be getting makeup by like your friend jess maybe or carrie and okay, yep. you were free so I, yep. you were like i'll do it yeah and so i was like so that's how we met was you did my makeup i'd met you at like a couple of the meetings like for the project but yeah. i think it was when you did my makeup that we were like oh we'll be friends right like this is <laughs> gonna go somewhere <laughs> But when you get to that point, because then in that point, I feel like that's got to be so validating. Like, here's this large, like, art project, whether it ended up being, like, prestigious or not. Um, it still was, like, your art form was being recognized as, like, needing to be good. Like, they were seeking you out because they were, like, we need somebody who, like, be expressive with the hair. Who yes. will do wild things, even though these are not, like, basic concepts somebody would be, like, walking around in the in the world with. And so I think that... Um, you were brought in with a couple of your artistic friends and, um, so that was why you came to mind when I was talking about, um, you know, cause I feel like I do talk to a lot more artists than maybe other kind of businesses, but this yours is both you're, you're working in like an art realm, but you're also having to build your own, like build your own business. You're responsible for every dime that comes into your chair and whether that's getting clients in there or whether it's managing what you're going to charge or your schedule or, I mean, so I guess I wanted to hear a little bit about like the maybe more logistic and boring side of things. But when you're starting out from school, what kind of like guidance are you given to like, here's how you're going to make this into a profitable business? Well, after, after I graduated, that school kind of not finds you a job, but kind of suggests where they feel like you would fit. And I, was I was just ready to do hair. You know, like I said, I was from a super small town. I didn't really want to do hair there because, you know, I didn't feel like that was me. You know, I, at the time I was, I think 21 or 22, I'm like, I want to be downtown Chicago and Vegas and like do all this cool stuff. But, you know, you have to have um, a little bit under your belt before you, before you jump into that. So just hire newbies out of school. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it was called Regis at the time. It was in the Northwoods Mall. And I remember that. Do you remember place. that? Yep. Yeah. And it had a handful of walk-ins. You know, those people weren't looking for a lifetime hairdresser. They would just mm-hmm. walk by and be like, I need a haircut. No. You know, no, so let's it, get cut today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was good practice. Um, and ironically, I did this girl, I think. I want to say she was like 15 or 16 at the time. Um, and she was getting ready to do like a, like a beauty pageant or something like that. And I remember her name was Rosie. She was just the sweetest thing ever. And we are still friends and she is still my client to this day. Stop it. Yes. Because we just bonded you know, she, we talked, you know, I did her hair. She loved it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing because, you know, she wanted this crazy, not pageanty hair at all. 
she wanted like sure. this emo swoop and this like disconnected thing. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we talked it through um, and we have been lifelong friends. So it was silly of me to think that I wasn't going to get any clients from this mall job, but I really yeah. did. And so then after, um, after I worked at Regis, I don't know, maybe two years or so, I felt like I was getting a good hang on, you know, some color formulas and, you know, just different haircuts, I guess. Sure, and sure. my grandma, um, who lived in my small town said there was a salon there that the lady was getting ready to retire. And she thought it would be good for me to work in a town where people knew me, especially since my mom did hair in that town. So I was, isn't that like counterintuitive? Don't you, don't you feel like it? Like I, I think I would feel like, no, I don't want like people I know coming in. And then like, I got to walk around and see them later. Like what if, what if somebody doesn't like it or what if I, you know what I mean? That would put so much pressure on me. I think, how are you feeling about the prospect of that? Did you feel about when your grandma's like, well, what about you should work where people know you? How did that make you feel? I felt terrible because <laughs> I, Great. I Great. really felt like, you know, I just pictured all these like 80 year old women with their curlers in and coming every sure. week. And, you know, that's not the audience that I wanted. Um, sure. And also I at the same time, like I'd only been doing hair a couple years. And even though I felt like I had learned a lot, I really had not learned a ton at all. You know, so I'm sure. like, what if I mess up someone's hair and then the whole town thinks I'm this big old loser that, you know, can't do hair. 100%. That's exactly know? what I would be thinking. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And then and, I got to walk around and see them. Yes. And they know my mom. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there was, I remember, so I ended up going to work in Lakin, by the way. So um, this lady, she had a salon for years. She was just tired and she wanted to just retire. Um, she thought bringing some young blood in there would like generate some younger people, I guess. Um, sure. and so I started working there and I'm telling you, I was busy right off the bat. You know, they were like, Oh, someone who doesn't do wet sets and curlers and, you know, like I want oh, them to cut my sure. hair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I was getting haircuts and colors and highlights and, all these things right off the bat. And I was working seven days a week from wow. like 9am to 9pm. Like I didn't care if they needed to come after work. I was there, you know, like I want to do hair. I want to do this. So there would be times Sunday I would go in and the cleaning lady would be there, you know, and she's like, uh, <laughs> are you supposed to be here? I'm like, I don't know, but I got a client, so I got to do them. Well, yes. the owner, the lady that was getting ready to retire, for some reason, did not like that. I don't know why. Oh, that you were hustling? That you were working so much? Yes. And I worked at that salon, eh, I'd say maybe a year. And I remember I came in on Memorial Day weekend, which everyone else was off, but I was there working. And there was a note on my desk that said, I don't feel like you're a good fit here. I think you should pack up your stuff this weekend and find a new place to work. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> this is like the Sex in the City episode where she gets broken up with uh-huh. over a post-it. Uh-huh. Like, this is a business owner. A business owner. Wrote you a Dear John letter on a note and put it at your station for you to find when she knew you'd be showing up to work for the seventh day that week. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 What did you think? What did, when you got this, were you like, fuck this lady? Or were you like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go. Like, what, how, how do you feel when somebody does that some, to you? You had been broken up with over a note. Yes. Yes. She, sends, she gives you a note after you, because she knows you're going to show up to work for the yeah. extra day, because that's what you do. Yes. So how did you feel getting that? I, for one, wanted to bang my head off the wall because I thought she thought I was a terrible hairdresser. Because in that mm-hmm. one year time, I had one person, one, who it was this, it was this lady. She came in, she was maybe... I don't know, thirties or forties. She had hair to her collarbone and she really wanted a pixie cut. Well, I had never done a pixie cut before. So we, and I wanted to pull up pictures, you know, we didn't really have like Pinterest or Google at the time. So yeah. Yeah. So we had magazines. So I pulled up a ton of magazines. I made her point out the haircuts that she thought was a pixie, which was true, you know, like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, real short and you know, sure. wispy. and a pixie is a commitment. Like this is yes. not. Yes. And we talked <laughs> about it for like 15, 20 minutes before I started cutting. She was so excited. She wanted one forever, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, here we go. Let's do so, it. And it took me a little longer, of course, because I would cut it long, you know, and then she'd mm-hmm. be like shorter, 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 mm-hmm. shorter. Mm-hmm. And she was very happy when we were done, even though I was a sweaty, nervous wreck. Um, And then she paid and she left. Well, maybe 30 minutes later, I'm in the back room eating my lunch and I hear all this commotion in the front room. This person is yelling and screaming and obviously not very happy. Um, And I go up there and it's this man demanding who cut his wife's hair. She looks like a boy and it's terrible. And she now she's crying. And I was like, I walked out there and I was like. Uh, was your wife's name blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yes, was that you? I said, yes, it was. And he goes, why did you do this to her? She looks terrible. She's crying in the car right now and blah, blah, blah. I want my money back. I go, well, sir, um, (laughs) that's what she asked for. And she's probably crying because you are making such a big deal out of it. And telling her she looks like a boy. Yes, she was very happy when she left. We talked about it. We looked at pictures. That was what she wanted. I'm sorry, that's not what you wanted, but I'm not giving you your money back. Good and, for you. How old were you at this point? Like 20? Oh, I'm shaking in my boots. Oh, because my God. I'm not a very forward person like that. But no. she, whoever's in my chair, I'm on their side. Like, oh, I don't I don't care. So you're on the person's side who's in your chair. Like they're your, your champion for them, no matter what, that's what they said they wanted. That's what you give them. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And there's going to be a lot of situations where the, the person sitting in my chair wants, you know, like to chop all their hair off or go this crazy color. And there's going to be someone who doesn't like it, whether it's a coworker or someone in your family, or there's going to be someone who doesn't like it. 
So I feel like as my, yes, as my part of my job, I need to find out why this person wants to cut their hair off or why they feel like they need this huge change. And sometimes they just straight up want it. You know, it's been years since they've had a change and they just feel like this is the route they need to take. Sure. Well, I also feel like part of my job is to teach them that it's okay if someone doesn't like it, you know, or how to react if someone's like, oh, you got your confidence up to like stand behind their, their decision, right? Like make them feel so confident about it that nobody's going to shake them. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there's not going to lie. There's people that I've done who we've talked about, say they're, they've been blonde for years and they want to be a redhead or a brunette or something along those lines. And we do it and they're just like, I really thought I was going to feel different about this. Sure. Well, that's also part of my job is for me as a hairdresser, not to take that personally. Sure. You know, yeah. And yeah. As, as any job, you know, like there's going to be times that you have the consultation, you talk about it and it just sometimes doesn't work out. That's yeah. okay. That's yeah. how you learn. That's how you grow. And that is a huge part of honestly any job because it's not a cookie cutter type of job. You know, sure. you don't do the same thing for everyone. And sometimes you are going to fail. You just are. And to not feel bad about it, to not feel like you're terrible at what you do, and just to realize maybe, what can I do a little bit differently? Sure. And like, if it's a situation with a color like that, do you think like, well, the color look, because like one time I had, I was in a, I had a friend that was going through beauty school and I was like her model, you know, for things and whatever. And uh, I would go over for cuts and colors and I'm adventurous with my hair. So I never cared. And at this one point they were going to do this color on me. And it was going to be like a cup, like a red with like some highlights and whatever. The point was that she was going to do like foils was like the project she was supposed to be doing. And when it got done, it was just like not the right hue for my skin tone. Like it just really washed me out because it was like, I don't remember if it was like too golden or if it was too red. I don't remember what it was, but it just like clashed. And I was like, I really don't like it. And her instructor was like, well, it doesn't look good on you, but the color itself looks great. And I just remember thinking like, well, that doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't no. look good on the person the head is on. Like, right. Like, I understand she executed it properly. I'm not asking you to give her a bad grade. I'm just asking you to tone it so that I can walk around in the, in the world and feel good about it, you know? Yes, 100%. Oh my God, yes, 100%. So sometimes you could have done the color really well. It's just, that's not what the person wanted. Right. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. And that, that happens too. You know, like yeah. everyone's hair is different, you know, and that's part of the job is you have to be comfortable enough with your client to be like, all right, we're going to do this. There is possible room for, you know, some slippage. Um, but you also need to make your client feel comfortable enough to come to you and be like, Hey, I thought I liked this or I thought it was going to go this way. Um, but, you know, it could just be the lighting, you know, the lighting yeah. at the salon and the lighting in at your home bathroom and work are all totally different. Sure, you, sure. you have to feel comfortable <laughs> in what's on your head because it's the crown you never take off. <laughs> so corny, but so true. <laughs> 
mean, it's just so tied to like so many people's identity. Like there's just, and I've had so many bad hair experiences. Most of them are self-inflicted and it is like, you can't hide it. You put a hat on, you can't, you just, there's, it's such a big part of who you are and how yes. you represent yourself to the world. So it's yes. really a, a lot of responsibility you're taking on. hundred percent. And when you are your own like business owner or whatever, like yeah. no one's there to fix it, but you, you know, yeah, sometimes so- if you're an apprentice or something, you know, you have a boss that can come over and be like, oh, well, we'll fix this. But yeah. when it's just you, you have to figure it out yourself. So what do you do? Do you, if somebody's like, obviously you can't put the, the pixie lady's hair back, not that she wanted it. It sounds like that was more of her husband's deal, but like, yep. say you do a color and somebody's like, I don't like it. What do you do? Do you like put yourself behind in your schedule by like toning it or changing it? Do you reschedule them? Do you like tell your next client, you got to move them back a little bit? Like how, like, do you have to do some judgment calls on like, is this my responsibility to fix? Or is this just something she didn't like understand when we came into this or does is do you always just do your best to fix it like how do you handle that kind of customer service i typically will start with a bunch of questions you know sure. like is it the tone is it too light is it too dark is it like I will just have them explain to me what exactly they do not like about it and then we'll have a conversation I'll pretty much ask them, what do you think we should do? Do you want me to redo the color? Do you want me to give you some tips on how you can fix it or whatever? Um, But I will always, always, always make time for someone who just doesn't feel 100% about what we did. Because the fact that, I mean, someone sits in my chair, say they have this picture on Pinterest, or this haircut or whatever, and they're showing me pictures, the the chances of me absolutely nailing that color and cut the very first time is very, very rare, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a question asker. I will ask a million questions before I put those scissors to that hair to make sure this is what they want. If they say they want two inches cut off, I will show them two inches. And typically they're like, eh. I want more like this. And it's like seven. Yeah. I'm like, okay. All right. So um, typically I will make time to fix anyone. I will come in early. I will stay late because like we said before, it's someone's confidence, you know, and they yeah. can really feel a hundred percent no matter what. And half the time I'll just do it for free. You know, I know a lot of hairdressers will, you know, tell me I need to charge or this, that, and the other, but they already paid for their experience. You know, if I do have to fix a color or cut or whatever, it's just my time, you know, and maybe a little bit of color, you know, it's not a full head of anything. So I feel like when you are the face of your business, it speaks volumes that, you know, I've had people say like, I was going to pick another hairdresser, you know, cause I didn't want to hurt your feelings or tell you I didn't like it, but I just really felt comfortable with you. So I, that's why I texted you. That's exactly that what so I want to bizarre? hear. Like people would, would have jump ship after somebody's cut their hair for years rather than say, Hey, I just don't love it this time. Like people yep. would just be like, Oh, now I got to find a new hairdresser. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> 
you feel like everybody does it it's not as if like i don't you know what i mean like this, yes. that's what people do and i cannot tell you how many times this is my number one pet peeve about hairdressers is when i hear a hairdresser say your hair won't do that oh okay the hairdresser is the professional okay you can make thin hair look thick you can you have the talent and the knowledge to get close to that you know people say you can't take black hair to blonde hair in one day yes the fuck you can you just have to have the time for it. You have to have the knowledge for it. You know, it's yeah. maybe going to take 10 to 12 hours, but it is possible. You know, I feel yeah. like when people say that, they're just lazy and they don't want to do it or maybe they don't know how to do it. Well, like you said, it takes a certain amount of knowledge and expertise. And so, like, when you somebody says, like, you can't do it, well, it means that person can't. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, let me tell you, I put my hair through some some things like i've bleached my hair a few times in a day i have i have changed from one color to another and i have no knowledge and my hair was pretty fried at the end of that but i mean i i cannot even imagine the things that you have seen that other people have done to themselves like have you had people come in and you're like um did you do this like does that that happen often yes yes there was one girl who this was back when I was at the Lakin salon starting out like my first three or four years. And they taught us in beauty school not to ever, ever highlight someone's hair that had used henna color or, you know, like some of those weird, funky things. Why use henna on my hair? (laughs) Yeah. And so this, this girl came in, she was like, I don't know, maybe junior high. And she looked like she had all brown hair. Like, it didn't look like she had any previous color highlights. I asked her, you know, when was the last time you colored your hair? She said a couple years ago, blah, blah, blah. So she wanted these really chunky red pieces. Well, that's a two-step process. You have to lighten the hair and then you have to put the red on. So I'm foiling her hair and there is smoke coming out of it. Smoke. And of course, I have only done hair for a little bit of time and I'm just like, oh, shit the bed i open the foil and it's just sizzling and the mom the mom was like did you tell her about that henna color you used on your hair about three months ago and i'm like "Ah!" and the girl was like i didn't think that counted because it wasn't really your color oh my god okay i am so glad you said this okay i have heard I used to have a friend that did hair and she would always say like, I won't touch anybody's hair with henna on it. It'll start smoking. And I always thought she was being like a little dramatic. So one, her story is validated Two, my mom hennaed her hair and she had hair down her ass for 30 years. Like she started doing it before I was born. She would go to Sally beauty supply. It was the same kind of henna forever. She bought two boxes, mixed it up. It looked like green tea. She'd slather it all over her head. It made her hair auburn. Okay. When my brother was in high school, he wanted his hair black. And she was like, I won't let you use hair color, but I'll let you use henna. So she went and got him. I'm air quoting black henna 
and it turned his hair red. And he was like, this is not what I fucking wanted. Oh, no. And she was like, I guess henna just turns all things that color. Like, I don't know what the science was behind this henna that she was getting. So anyhow, she would always tell everyone, I don't color my hair. I don't color my hair. I don't color my hair. She would have sat in your chair and be like, I don't color my hair because henna is all natural, Vanessa. Oh and my it's God. it's a stain, not a color. And so like, I totally understand the fucked up mentality that this girl was coming from when she did not mention this to you. Yes, but yes. Holy smokes, literally. It, literally. Like I shit my pants. I almost started crying. I did not even know what to do because I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. You know, like the hair is literally sizzling in this foil. So do you put it into the bowl? Do you just start rinsing her out right away? Do you put like oh, baking yes. soda on it? What do you do? Yes, I had to rinse it out immediately. Her hair color was basketball orange. Oh and my like, God. it was terrible. But again, she just, she was one of those people that was like, I don't care what you do. I want red hair. So I said, all right. So I found a very like, almost kind of like a stain, you know, it's not really, doesn't have a lot of chemicals in it. And I just put it over her orange hair and it did turn a reddish color, but it was damaged as fuck. And she left happy. Like I was totally humiliated, but she left with her red hair, even though it was a nightmare to get there. And I said, okay, don't come back. Now, I don't know if I've ever told you this story or not, but when I was in, so my, I also headed my hair because I told you about how my mom had a policy of no hair color. So I headed my hair and I had long red hair when I was like in eighth grade and freshman year. You did? I did. It was oh like auburn, henna, henna, henna color. Okay. okay and I decided I wanted to go back to blonde. And my mom was like, well, I don't think there's a henna for that. <laughs> so there was this mom in our town that would always do like, this was back in the day where you get like your tips frosted if you were a guy. Oh, yes. And she would always frost everybody's tips. And I was like trying to date her son. And so I was at their house all the time. And so I was like, if I get like the material, will you do it? And she was like, yeah, that's, yeah, I can do that. I'll bleach your hair. She bleached my hennaed hair <laughs> seven times in oh, one setting i was there for like nine hours okay oh christ in between each bleach she would have me blow dry it so that like i she could like you know start to bleach it again and at one point my hair was white like i mean white omg and falling out in chunks like it looked like somebody had shaved like a white dog and it was like nappy like stretchy like oh. like gooey hair uh-huh. and then she colored it blonde and that blonde was chicken fat yellow because the pigment of my hair was white oh hell so i had yellow hair <laughs> my dad came to pick me up he was like, your mom's going to kill you. My mom did, in fact, want to kill me when I walked in the door. I was a freshman in high school. The person that she would go to for her hair and, like, the color expert in town was on vacation. And so I had to live like this for, like, a week. Oh, God. And then I went to this lady. This lady cut off most of my hair. She gave me, like, severe, like, like oiled shampoos that I was supposed to be using. I couldn't use, like, it took... First of all, my hair has never been as thick as it was before that. Like I lost actual hair during that process. Ugh. But um, the, so anytime somebody mentions henna, I'm just always like, 
I wouldn't. <laughs> right. You're like, please don't do that. Because how do you get it out otherwise? How how do you get it out? It just has to grow out, right? It just has to grow out. Yeah. Yep. Who can commit to that? For real. For real. And or cut it off. Yeah, but I mean, my God. Into a sweet little pixie cut. Well, I've had one of those too. Mm-hmm. I joke that like my hair right now is a pixie that I've been growing up <laughs> yes. six years. Oh God. Okay. So tell whoever like offer to find somebody else, another stylist, unless you are trying to get rid of them. (laughs) I typically will keep people until they make me feel bad. Yeah. You know, like I said, like I prefer the communication. Like I don't mind fixing someone's hair color or cut or, you know, there's been times that I, you know, did this huge major cut and they went home and they style it themselves. And they're like, I think I want to go shorter. Okay, cool. Come on in. You know, like when you're in the chair, you don't get to style your own hair. You're leaving a professional setting. Like when you get home, you have to be able to do it yourself. And if you don't feel like you can, that might not be a fit for you. You know, or say they show me a picture of curled hair, you know, but they never curl their hair in their life. So I have to show it, I have to find different pictures and be like, this is what it's going to look like if you don't curl your hair. And they're like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, so it's like a ton of communication, a ton of, you know, pictures and this, that, and the other. And I will entertain almost anyone, even if they are picky, even if they are unsure or don't know what the hell they want. I will sit down and have a 15 minute consultation with them until they are comfortable enough to be like, okay, yes, this is what I want. But it's how they react to me as well as a person, you know, like, well, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. Like, okay, we did this wrong because we talked about it. You know, like there's two people in this, in this conversation here. Um, So really I, I won't fire any client unless they're really just awful to me. Yeah. Or they don't use their words well, correctly. I think, I think that's a good way to be because, I mean, really your business is based on people returning, right? I mean, like getting a client coming back is is a good way to build up your your reciprocal income that's totally. going to be coming back. So you have to retain people. You can't get rid of every person who's slightly difficult, but I think that's a good, that's a good boundary to have. Somebody who's trying to make you feel bad or trying to be, you know, push, putting you down in any way, there's no reason for you to retain that kind of client. No, absolutely not. Especially with so much communication. Like I feel like sure. bad haircuts and bad color or any business really, you know, say you're a contractor or whatever, like you have to have specific communication before you start the service and communication throughout the service to make sure you're both on the same page. I feel like that is, I guess, success of a business owner, you know, is to make sure that they have a very good experience with you and feel comfortable. I really do think that that's it. I talk about that a lot of times um, with people when we're talking about successful parts of a business. And I think customer service is just always the top. I just think that, if you can make your people happy, then your product, your pricing, your location, your marketing, all of those other things um, just become a little bit less important because the feeling you give people when they leave is the reason why they choose to come back to you or is the reason why they will tell their friends about you or 100%. talk well about you when you're not around. So yep. <clears throat> that feeling that you leave people with 
is so crucial. And I think that so few people, businesses, what have you focus on that part of it. Like they're trying to nail the branding or the, to get the salon set up right, or let's make sure this food tastes really good, or let's hire the greatest person to do this. But then it's like, if your cost, if the, if the product is being delivered by somebody who's grumbling or doesn't want to be there or is just putting out a negative vibe, the whole experience goes down. Yes. Yes. And a, a huge thing about it is when you're in any type of industry, like you said, say you're preparing food or you're building a house or you're giving a haircut or whatever, it's how the service provider makes the client feel. You know, yeah. like say someone wants to build a house and they want all these crazy wild things to it. Okay, well, that might not work, you know, but the contractor isn't going to be like, well, that's a stupid idea. Can't well, believe- some of them might. <laughs> right, right. And guaranteed that those people are not going to go back to them. You know, they're yeah, not going to yeah, get good absolutely. referrals. You know, it's just, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think that 100%. is huge in the business industry because there's been no, many times, many times that I wanted to be like, that's not going to fucking work or that's a stupid idea or blah, blah, blah. But you have to take your professional side and be like, okay, um, I think there's a different way we can approach this. What do you think about this? You know, it still has sure. to be two-sided. You can't just go at them and be like, that's dumb, you know, or that's not going to work. You know, you just have to find a different way to say it and a different way to communicate it, I guess. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree. I, um, you know, I've had several instances where I'm the customer and I've been interacting with a with a person at a at a business. I one that comes to mind is when I was getting the signage made for the outside of the Winnebago that I had as a mobile store for a while. I went to one business and asked them to make the decal to go on the outside. I was trying to save money. So I was going to put it on myself. I wanted it in like gold and white. When I went and picked it up, it was black and gray. And I was like, it's going on a black vehicle. Like, why aren't, why isn't this in gold and white? And they were just like, we can't do it. This is all we can do. So I left disgruntled and went to another sign place and was like, I was told it was going to be made in gold and white and they made it in black and gray. And this place laughed at me, laughed in my face as I was standing at the counter like clearly desperate to find somebody to help me and says, you can't print in gold. That's ridiculous. And just laughed. Like I was stupid for thinking that you could, even though like, I know nothing about the print industry. Right. So I went to a third sign place and that place was like, yeah, we can print in gold. No problem. What do you need? When do you need to buy? Sure. We can do it for you. No problem. And I recommended that third place every time somebody asked me about where they needed to sign for years and years yeah. because of the way they made me feel. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. It's so huge. So huge. Because you can, I mean, no matter what, you could be the best hairdresser in the world, but somebody's not going to be happy at some point. Some people are just not happy. Sometimes communication's not good and you're not even getting the point of what somebody wants. And so it doesn't matter how good you are because at some point you're going to have to deal with customer service issues. And if you can't handle even like the smallest bump or just having like the person's happiness or the person's satisfaction at the forefront of like your motivation is the thing I think that makes you successful. Yes. hundred percent. Absolutely. So what are you going to do? <clears throat> I know we talked on it briefly earlier, but you've moved out to Arizona. You and your partner have um, made the move because why not? And because it's the time of your life to do it. And yep. because you both feel called and because it's warmer there and a million other reasons why Arizona trumps Illinois. Yes. 
But in terms of your business, what does that look like for you? I know you worked really hard to finish up all the like clients that you needed to touch base with before you left. And you guys were working crazy tons of hours to like save up money and prepare for this move. And now um, that you're out there and kind of getting settled in, I know you're, you're looking for um, where your next kind of home will be. And so what does that look like for you when you think about, okay, how am I going to start working in a new state? Where are some of the steps you had to take or are still looking to take to get back to work? Well, when I was, when I was back in Illinois, I was the sole business owner. I didn't really have employees. It was just me. I had to be customer service. I had to do my own inventory. I had to make my own appointments. I had to respond to the text messages and go by my own color and, you know, do my continuing education and all that stuff. It was just me. And sure. the I did that for you know, 15 years. I really loved it. I had a full book. Everything was going great. But I feel like when you are your own business owner, you work when you come home. You work, yeah. you know, outside of normal business hours. And over the years, that just really took a toll on me. I felt sure. like, you know, I would work 12 hour days, four days in a row. And then have the weekend to try and, you know, reset my social battery, you know, but then when I would come home, you know, Ryan, who does the same, who does the same thing, he does hair too. um, You know, he was the same way, you know, we just spread ourselves so thin. We weren't even having conversations when we got home because we were just so mentally exhausted from working all day. And on the weekend, it was, okay, I have to replenish my color. I have to respond to these messages. I have to see if everyone's happy with what they got. You know, it was just constantly, constantly, constantly work. And I was very proud that my business had got to that point. But at the same time, my work-life balance was awful. It was terrible. You know, friends would ask me to go to dinner after work and I'm just so like, ugh. Okay, yes, I can do this. You know, I can do it. I want to see my friends. They're going to recharge my social battery. But sometimes you're just so exhausted. You feel like you're not 100% yourself. You know, you're only giving them a tiny percent of what you have left and they don't deserve that. So on the weekends, we would always try to go out of town, you know, whether it was an hour away or get on a plane and go somewhere. You know, we would try to get away from work as far as we possibly could just to get some type of quality. There was one time we took a two-week motorcycle trip out to Montana and Idaho and all that stuff for two weeks. And with a full book, that's a lot of people that you cannot get in. And so then I had to take my book with me and my phone, and I still had to respond to people on my vacation. And, you know, sometimes that's just what you have to do when you're the sole person of the business but at the same time it's just like why can't I just leave work at work you know and it just got to the point where it just wore us down so hard and um we took a vacation one time to Arizona you know I took it once with a girl's trip I loved it Ryan suggested we go back for my birthday it was in January and Ryan does not love winter time and when we landed there It was like 72 degrees. It was beautiful. We were in the mountains, um, not a cloud in the sky. It was just 
fantastic. And we kind of, Ryan kind of joked and he was like, I want to move here. I'm like, we are not moving to Arizona. Like, come on. <laughs> like we have very successful businesses. We can't just leave those behind and just move to Arizona. Well, that was two years ago and now we have moved to Arizona. <laughs> but the more we thought about it, you know, we're like, we can still do hair here, um, but it would be more uh, balanced. You know, like we, I don't think we want to own anything here by any means yet. I don't think, okay. but it's online booking. You know, people just sure. book online and we don't have to be responsible for that. You know, the salon that I want to so work at. Like joining a salon that's already established yes. um, that has like a chair that's open. So more like you just have to rent your space and then what does it look like to like build up a, a book from nothing? Well, that's, that's kind of the unknown right now. Um, okay. I do not necessarily want to get back to my 10 hour, four days a week. You know, I yeah. want typically yeah. 10 years ago, the color that people wanted did take an hour to two hours. Now with all the foliage and balayage and ombre and all these techniques, sometimes they're double and triple processes, which means you have to yeah. put the color on, rinse it, do another color process, rinse it. You know, it's very, very time consuming. And sure. in Illinois, there was no way in hell I could have booked one person for four to five hours. There's right. no way. But that's what that person needed for their appointment. So I would have to cut corners. You know, I would have to kind of, you know, not do the full potential of the color because I didn't have the time. Here, sure. I will have all the time in the world, you know, and these people here where we pick to live, I feel like have a little more money. So if I do yeah. their hair color and I'm like, okay, that's $350, they'll be like, oh, that's great. I love this. You know, but if yeah. I would have told someone that Illinois, they would have fallen out of their chair and never come back to me. Yeah, so, the demographics are huge yes, for sure. Yes. And I prefer doing color most. So I wanted to make sure the quality of my work was not going down because I didn't have the time. Sure. And so here I'm starting over. If I have two clients a day, you know, and they pay me $400 each for their color, that's fine. That's $800 yeah. a day. You know, I give yeah. a chunk of that to the salon and that's my day. I get to leave. I don't have to respond to any messages. I don't have to, um, you know, find out any color formulas or anything like that. The color is already at the salon, full stock. I just use that. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to do here is be able to do the colors that, that are so time consuming here without feeling the the rush and like, okay, well, I have to rinse this out now because my next one's going to be here in 20 minutes and I still have to cut and style sure. you and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not how I want to work. So that's, yeah, I feel like a lot of salons around here, somebody's like processing and then there's another person in the chair getting their hair cut while that person's processing. Like you're not even eating lunch or like checking no. in with your clients at that time. You're like double booked essentially. Yes. And so that would be really hard to maintain. So, well, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes for you. I know that, um, you know, we've talked about people changing hairdressers all the time and yep. like wanting to switch things up or walking in on a whim. And like you started with not having any clients at the mall at Regis salon and 
you will undoubtedly find a, a following of people that are excited to work with you in Arizona as well. So I'm excited to see what happens for you. I think that we should try to catch back up maybe in a couple of months um, when you and Ryan are both established and just see, totally. check in and see like how it's, how it's been working for you and like what the process has been like to join a new salon where you're used to being, you know, the one having to do everything and how that kind of has worked for you, both pros and cons. Yeah. I just want to give you kudos for doing this in the first place. I think being 17 years in and owning a salon and then having a very um, strong presence in another one here in Peoria for all that time. Um, it's a lot of people would, would think it's too much to start over. And I love the, the, aggressiveness with which you're attacking like your future happiness. I think it's wonderful. And you know, I love a challenge girl. I know. <laughs> I know you do. Love and I know a challenge. The thing is, it's like, people's hair grows. It's something people always need done. It's never like, okay, that's the last haircut I'll get for my life. Like it will always be something that's going to be done. And people are retiring. People are messing up. People are moving around all of the time. And so I just feel like it's such a good industry to be in, especially if you're a creative person like yourself, because there are just really no limitations. You can apply it in so many different ways. And um, I'm excited to see what happens for you. I'm excited too. And so thanks for being my very first guest. Thanks for giving me your time today and sharing some about your story. Please ask Ryan if he would be willing to join you in a couple of months so we can recap. And um, I'll talk to you real soon. All right, girl. I love you. Good luck. I love you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.